It's been a long time, brother, since a mic's been in front of my face. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, the Epic Film Guys podcast is back. Like Mac, attack in your face, motherfucker. I have had so much coffee this <laughs> I can tell. Loy sauce. Loy sauce. What the fuck is up, brother? Well, good morning, Justin. It's a beautiful snowy morning here in Virginia, and I am feeling good. It's, um, Listen to you all fucking proper. I'm doing my best 1988 wrestler impression, and you're all like, "Welcome everybody. Thanks for coming to the show." Well, this is the uh, this is the dynamic. This is the dichotomy that people tune into the Epic Film Guys podcast for. You are drinking coffee out of a Starbucks cup, and I am drinking tea out of a Sam trick or treat mug. So there we go. There may or may not be a little bit of a alcoholic beverage in in my Starbucks coffee. <laughs> I'm not at liberty to say, okay? It's 11.30 something in the morning on a Sunday, so... Anything goes, right? Do I really want our listeners thinking I'm an alcoholic? I guess they already know that I am one, so there's really no <laughs> hiding that. But I'm super excited <laughs> to sit down and just chat with you, man. It's been so long. It's 2021. We released our first episode last week, uh, which is our brand new series on Brian De Palma, De Palmcast which we released our first episode on Carrie. We really appreciate everybody checking that out. Gotten a lot of kind words about it. Yeah, and I'm proud of the work that we did on that episode, Justin. I think the De Palmcast series, it's a labor of love. It's an idea that we're excited about. And I'm excited for all the listeners to hear what we have in store. Um, you know, 2020 was a great, really great year for the Epic Film Guys, but it was also a very uh, challenging year. And we'll be completely honest, we had serious conversations about whether or not we should continue with the show. But I assure you all, we're more inspired than ever, and we've got yes. episodes planned out for as far out as summer, right, Justin? Yeah, I mean, for the first time in the history of this show, we actually sat down and scheduled shit out for like more than a couple of weeks at a time. It was pretty awesome, actually. It's a really good feeling to sit down and feel like, hey, we're actually adults here. We're going to plan this fucking thing instead of being like, hey, what do you want to do next week? Hey, what do you want to do like three weeks from now? I don't know. Let's talk about it in three fucking weeks. I mean, we actually did some adulting over here and planned some shit out. And I'm very excited, uh, but very I think that'll yeah. And I think that'll make things better for our listeners, for our for our Patreon subscribers, especially our patrons. Um, we can get now that we have a plan of what we're going to record, we can record and then I can edit and get out early access, early release episodes for our patrons. Yeah, we're, we're going to try. We're really going to do our best here. And um, the main thing, the main goal that we kind of discussed, ladies and gentlemen, is really for us just to have fun alongside you guys while you're listening to us like you always have. But no pressure. You know, we're going to get you what we can when we can and make it happen. We know that. Life provides us challenges that we have to overcome. Uh, much like yourself, Loisos, a huge hurdle in your life. You just jumped over it. Something really special just happened to you. Why don't you tell our listeners, man? Yeah, well, I guess that we should mention that this kind of explains the show's brief hiatus. We haven't had a new episode in over a month. Um, and part of that has to do with me moving into an apartment. Uh, it's been a stressful few weeks, but things are finally starting to calm down a little bit and I can focus on other things that are not moving all of my shit out of my childhood home and moving it into this apartment where I'm living with Steve and N. And um, yeah, it's really great. Um, but like I said, things have finally started to calm down from that. Otherwise, I've been working and um, I've been showing Steve and N a, a lot of movies because they are uncultured swine and they have not seen practically anything they need to be educated they need to be educated. that's not true i'm just i'm just kidding they're they are very cultured they just have interests other than sitting around and watching movies um but just in the last week we've watched uh the original 1954 gojira godzilla i showed them the greatest film ever made 10 to midnight yes. starring charles bronson yes i saw steve post in his story that beautiful poster of the legend that is charles <laughs> bronson and i was so excited i was like dude they're watching one of the best movies ever made <laughs> and uh tonight uh or today rather uh sometime today we're going to be watching the original superman so they'll be watching that for the first time and i'm excited for them to watch that we're going to work our way through the dcu stuff before 
Zack Snyder's Justice League releases on March 18th. So, yeah, we're just we're just working through stuff and having a really good time doing that. We've also really been enjoying WandaVision. Justin, I know you're super excited about superhero movies right now. And uh, so I'm sure you're Fox, watching WandaVision every week. I give our zero. I literally don't care about any of it. I'm proud to say I've been bitching about it on this podcast for many years. That doesn't mean that we're not going to review the stuff and I'm not going to look at it from a fair point of view. I always have, but I literally don't care or give a fuck about WandaVision. I don't care about anything else comic book related outside of Batman related stuff. That is maybe, maybe the upcoming live action Spider-Man movie. Cause we know that we're going to have Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield back. That's something to be excited about, but dude, I'm just, I'm marveled out. I don't care about any of it. I don't care about secondary no-name characters like, yay, Moon Knight! Like, I just don't give a shit, and I'm just being as honest as possible. Um, Not trying to be ignorant about it. I've been living the comic book world for, since I was a wee little lad, and look forward to every single comic book movie Saw every single comic book movie opening night. Seriously, all of them. Yes, even The Spirit. I saw that shit in theaters. Um, <laughs> you know, all of it. And I've just finally gotten to the point where I'm like, take it a few steps back. You know, if anything is good, that's g- good is coming from the majority of theaters still being closed and movies, you know, postponing their releases. It's that I don't have to watch Black Widow anytime soon. I'm like, push it back again. Push it into eternity. I don't care. Um, but it's fine. I'm glad you're enjoying it, Brian. My wife is watching WandaVision. Um, I just, you know, like, like I said, it's been fatigue for me for a long time, but again, we're still going to talk about everything we always have on this show. I am definitely looking forward to reviewing Zack Snyder's Justice League. People won't shut the fuck up about it, whether they're being positive about it or whether they're being like, I'm sick of hearing about this movie. It's like, stop following comic book fanboy news sites and you won't have to read about it anymore. I will certainly be watching. Am I looking forward to it? I don't know. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I guess I'm looking forward to watching it from the standpoint of it being like an experiment. You know what I mean? Like, this is the version of the film that was originally meant to come out and what does that look like and what does that mean for the dc universe um i'm intrigued by it will it be a good movie probably not will it be a better movie than the theatrical version of justice league absolutely probably i mean we can already tell that right now i mean it would take so much hard work to make it worse than that but you're you're totally right in (laughs) saying that it is an experiment it's a very interesting one where you know I literally saw this image. Actually, I saved it to my phone. Um, so I literally saw an image that was posted on November 26, 2019, Variety. It said, Warner Brothers currently has no plans to release the Snyder Cut of Justice League, either in theaters or on HBO Max. The quote was, that's a pipe dream. There's no way it's ever happening. Jump ahead to January 29th, 2021. The Snyder Cut of Justice League will be released on March 18th on HBO Max. So, Variety, look at that. Look at that. Seriously. Things change. It opens up a world of possibilities, Justin. If this opens the door for us getting the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever, then hey, I'm all for it. But listen... Me being knee-deep in the Burton Batman world, I just need to make this clear. I love all of you for your passion. I really, really do. I feel it. But there is no Tim Burton cut of Batman 89. There is no Tim Burton cut of Batman Returns. Stop saying release the Burton cut because it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. It literally is not. Okay? (laughs) Like, people are just making shit up. Like, release the the fill-in-the-blank cut of whatever movie that you want to see. Listen, that's that's not a thing now, okay? Just because this is happening doesn't mean you just get to... <laughs> Has Burton ever released an extended cut or a director's cut of any one of his movies? There's no precedent no. for that. No, and he doesn't care. And before we get to talking about the coolest monster I've seen in a new movie in a long time, we're going to talk about two of our favorite monsters, two of the most iconic classic monsters of all time in epic reviews
Godzilla versus Kong. And Justin, I have to concede something to you. I was yes. wrong, okay? Because you know this, the listeners know this, the character of Godzilla and Godzilla movies, these are some of my favorite things ever. In the last movie, King of the Monsters, Godzilla is literally a walking nuclear reactor. We saw him melt entire buildings just by walking past them. So Godzilla is a force of nature. We all know this. But every single shot of the Godzilla vs. Kong trailer shows Kong absolutely wrecking Godzilla's shit every single time. So as much as I hate to say it, Justin, I think Kong might have the upper hand in this battle. Dude, Kong's going to beat Godzilla's ass so fucking hard. (laughs) Dude, you see his gigantic eight fist just pummeling Godzilla's tiny little lizard head? Kaboom! Boom! I mean, this is one of the most (laughs) exciting battles I've ever looked forward to in a movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is us discussing one of our most anticipated movies of this year. Man, that fucking trailer blew me away. Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, I mean, seriously, dude. I legit cried. Me and the wife went out and had a few beers with our buddy Brady, a patron of the show, uh, last weekend. And they came over afterwards. And I was like, dude, you have to watch this trailer with the sound all the way the fuck up on my surround sound and just endure this thing. And I cry during it, dude. I'm like, dude, look at how hard he's hitting him in the fucking face. I mean, it's just like we've been waiting for this moment. We've known since the beginning that Warner Brothers was planning this shared universe with all their monsters. And there's been hints at Godzilla in Skull Island, which you and I enjoyed at at face value as a fun monster movie. At face value. Well, you know what I in, mean. And in, in, every, in every sense, Kong Skull okay. Island is one of the greatest movies ever made. Well, no, you know what I mean. Like, it's, it's a fun monster movie. There's not much depth yeah. to their characters or anything like that, but it's got a lot of good actors in it that don't really get to do much other than run away from monsters. But guess what? We don't care because... Fine with it. It's a King Kong movie. And then, <laughs> and then, of course, jump forward to a few years back, you and I saw an advanced critic screening of Godzilla King of the Monsters, in which I did see you cry. I saw a tear roll down your cheek at the end of the movie. <laughs> I myself, however, after two viewings in the theater, was pretty disappointed by it, especially considering yeah. Michael Doherty being at the helm, being a huge monster lover and a huge Godzilla fan. I just felt like there was a lot to be... Uh... Hold on. I just felt like there was a lot more I wanted out of that movie. Here's what I want from Godzilla versus Kong that I didn't get in Godzilla King of the Monsters. And I'm just, I'm, this is a plea to Adam Wingard, the director. Turn on the goddamn lights. Every single fight, every single monster fight in King of the Monsters in complete darkness, obscured by snow, lightning, mist, smoke, snow, yeah, mist. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you name it. Rain. It's a snowstorm. It's a thunderstorm. It's something. Put Just put smoke in there just to, to hide it. I, I understand how difficult it is. And I know we talked about this in detail when we reviewed Godzilla vs. King of the Monsters. That it is very difficult when you're trying to apply real-world logistics to two gigantic monsters fighting in a real-world city. I get it. So a lot of times they're masking or hiding the improbabilities with snow or lightning or hiding them in the darkness. This trailer presented to me the way I want to see monsters fight. And it was showcased in Skull Island. I mean, you see Kong literally swinging monsters around by the tail, pummeling them with his fists. The monster fights were amazing in that movie. And it looks like Adam Wingard is bringing that to light here. Lots of lights. I posted it on my Facebook page. Dude, there's nothing more big and bad than watching Godzilla and Kong battling out in a bright-ass neon fucking city. I said, all you need to give me is a heavy synth score, and you're putting everything I love into one picture, you know? But For sure. The details here, though, um, it's looking like Monarch is going to be using Kong as our world savior. It looks like Godzilla's going haywire here. He's fucking shit up. Now, we know from the last two movies... He's kind of cognizant. He's aware of his surroundings. He doesn't just go around destroying stuff for no reason. But in this movie, he's destroying an entire city. It looks like he's in South America somewhere destroying an entire city. We see him jumping up and smashing through a big giant aircraft carrier and not giving a fuck. So <laughs> there's something going on here, man. What do you think it is? I I don't know. 
uh, obviously we know that Mecha Godzilla exists in this universe. We've seen toys uh, that have yeah, been leaked. Yeah, the Funkos, yeah. So um, maybe that is playing a part in the public's perception of Godzilla. Maybe it's not Godzilla at all. Maybe it's Mecha Godzilla yeah. causing all of this. Yeah. Um, but we don't know. I mean, um, so I, I'm intrigued to know where the story goes. I will be disappointed if Mecha King Ghidorah doesn't make an appearance because it was hinted at the end of King of the Monsters that um, that character would make an appearance, uh, which would be awesome. Uh, maybe that will happen in future MonsterVerse movies. Although since this one is debuting on HBO Max, and I want to get your opinion on this, um, it might not make enough of a profit for there to be any more MonsterVerse movies. Well, like this might be the end of the line for the franchise, or it might not. I don't know. All I know is that you know, like I'm glad the technology exists to make dumb monster movies on this largest scale and this obscene a budget. But I worry that because the budget is so large, it's not going to recoup the money needed to make more. Well, you're correct in saying that. And also, go, jump back a few years again to King of the Monsters. It didn't do that well at all. It underperformed largely. And I don't know what it was. The trailers were very good. There's that. And it was also sandwiched in between a bunch of comic book movies. And I mean, that's just a thing now. People are going to be like, oh, I'll go see fill in the blank Marvel movie a second or third time instead instead of going to see this. And we know that, you know, the first Godzilla movie, which you and I both really, really enjoyed, um, it that didn't do that well either. I mean, it, it did big money, but it wasn't a huge success, and a lot of people complained about it. Uh, people want everything. They want their cake, and they want to be able to eat it too. People can't accept they have to be patient to get a monster fight. We could talk about that movie again some other time, but we know that it gave audiences blue balls. So I understand people not wanting to come back and maybe witness the same thing. But that movie had like all of the amazing, well, most of the big rogues gallery for Godzilla, like all in one movie. So they gave you everything. Um, I don't know if this is going to do well or not, Brian. I mean, I like the deal that HBO Max has made with Warner Brothers. They're being smart about this. These movies are going to be seen by mass audiences. Wonder Woman has made a profit officially as of today by releasing on HBO Max and on limited screens across the country in theaters. We haven't reviewed that movie. Maybe someday we'll actually do it. We're not going to bring it up on this, but the movie's making money. So... I hope this follows suit. There's enough people still sitting at home because of the COVID-19 epidemic that I think a lot of people will tune in. Be like, hey, why don't we just watch this new movie? Well, it's been getting a lot of reaction on on social media and the just on YouTube alone from the Warner Brothers YouTube channel. It has like over 50 million views, the trailer does. So, I mean, people are excited about it. People are watching the trailer, getting hyped for the movie so hopefully that'll carry over in terms of views in terms of box office because it is opening in theaters select theaters that are open and uh at the same time so we'll see we'll see um but yeah i'm i'm just pumped for this even though king of the monsters was a mixed bag there's just no way that i'm not going to get excited by seeing godzilla and kong on the screen duking it out i just want to see kong shove a tree down godzilla's throat like he does in the in the original that, that's Kong that's on everybody's wish list, believe me and I, we have to address something here there's so many people that are unaware and they're like why is king kong way bigger in this than he was in the last one well if you watched that movie and you paid a little bit of attention you would have remembered they mentioned that kong is a teenager he's an adolescent in that movie and he's not in parentheses, full grown yet. So that's why he's so much bigger. They obviously had to make that something they addressed in order to make them big enough. Because, I mean, I remember in the first Godzilla movie, Godzilla's like over 400 feet tall or something. And Kong's obviously never been that big before. So they made it work. And I think Kong's going to have the upper hand. There's a lot to get excited about in this trailer. But God, please tell me, Loisas, Why? Why do they do this to us? They have an amazing trailer with this beautiful footage and they literally shoved on our throats this terrible hip-hop song that does not fit at all whatsoever within the trailer. It's like a sore thumb sticking right out. It's to appeal to the urban market, Justin. What more do they need to appeal to them than two gigantic, awesome-looking monsters beating the shit out of each other and destroying a city? I don't know, but you know what I'm worried about, Justin? It's the it's the human component because that was a big problem for me in King of the Monsters. Um, and one of your favorite actors, 
Julian Dennison Belschnickel from the Christmas Chronicles 2 oh, is going to be in this movie. God, that kid, I swear to God, he has the most punchable face in Hollywood right now. I feel bad saying that because a lot of people like that kid. Um, I'm not hating. Watch Hunt for the Wilder People, I know, Justin. I know. I've, I've heard it a million times, but um, I just <laughs> I find him so repulsive as Belschnickel. And every time I see his face, I just hear in my head Belschnickel a thousand times and it makes me want to throw up all over myself. So. <laughs> Um, no, I'll be, I'll be fine with it. Like literally, I hope he's just a small character. I, the human elements in these movies have never been that exciting, you know, out of all no. so far from what we've seen out of all the past three of them. Um, that's not why you pay your money. Yeah. To and as, lo- as long, as long as it's something that I can live with, as long as the characters are decently Makes written sense. and well-performed and not annoying to me. I mean, the last movie was nails on a chalkboard. And we discussed that in detail on that review. So just just make them likable. Just make me care about them a little bit. And then push them out of the way so I can watch these two titans destroy cities and level each other. And that's all I want to see. And yes, we know, Brian, that Mechagodzilla is in this movie. And we know for a fact, it's obvious, this is going to be a Batman v Superman syndrome where like they're going to fight a few times and then they're going to have to team up together to fight something bigger. And it's going to be really exciting. So that's fine with me. I don't even see that in the trailer, but we do see the Mechagodzilla plans up on a screen in the movie. Uh, We see lots of little hints here and there of what's going to happen. I don't want to go too deep, but overall, from what I'm seeing here, the one point that I wanted to make, and and I posted this on my page as soon as this trailer got released, is I've really admired Adam Wingard's visual sense and style for a long time. And I've really felt that all he really needed was the right people to give him you know, an open concept, a giant blank wall to write on, if you will, to kind of showcase his style and his talents. And we saw a little bit of it in his John Carpenter-esque movie, The Guest. Your Next is very good. And a lot of the visual style and presentation in the Death Note movie, as mediocre as that film was, was brilliant. He showed a lot like what he can do visually. They should have let him make that a series instead of a movie. That aside, he's got a lot of potential and i think we're going to see that play out here i just like i said juggling the human characters is going to be the hard part the monster stuff dude he's got that in the bag it looks like yes i mean i agree with you and i want to remain optimistic but we said pretty much the same thing about king of the monsters it's in really good hands with michael doherty he knows what he's doing and then we saw the movie and you know so i'm just Uh, tempering my expectations i am really excited i am really really excited and i am excited too this was recently announced. More kaiju movies coming down the line. Cloverfield 2, an actual official sequel to Cloverfield, was announced. And um, I love Cloverfield. I adore that movie. So feed me more of these kaiju movies directly into my suck hole, please. Yeah, I mean, I saw a good friend of the show comment on that news on our Facebook page. They were like, make monster movies the new comic book movies. And I'm like, I'm down I'm with that. I'm more than fine with that. Yeah. Give me giant monster <laughs> movies all the time. I don't care. Um, I would like to see some of them utilize guys in suits again, CG around them or whatever, but I'd still like to see some of that again, but, um, outside of the, the Toho stuff that's been done, but yeah, man, I'm excited about that news after that terrible giant pile of garbage. That was Netflix's attempt at a Cloverfield movie. That was just, Mm. I remember like it was yesterday, me rushing home from my in-laws watching the Super Bowl, like I'm going to sit and wait for that movie to premiere. Then I sat there and watched it and I was like, really? I rushed home for that. I was eating chicken wings and drinking beer and I like wasted all of that just to, to watch this movie. So, um, but love 10 Cloverfield lane. It's one of my favorite movies of the past 10 years. So anything within that universe, give me aliens, monsters, as long as it's well done. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So that's that trailer. There's a lot more we could have dug into, but we will be saving that for our full review of the film which we may be having a special guest on for so look forward to that but right now we're going to have a little word from our sponsor the epic film guys podcast is fueled by our sponsor evil tea by the evil tea company steeped in darkness evil tea brings a sharp variety of tea flavors featuring robust and creative blends for all those tea addicts out there Use promo code EPICFILMGUYS for 15% off your first order. Please make sure to check out their website at EvilTeaCompany.com to find the right blend for you.
And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks for sticking with us here on the Epic Film Guys podcast. Saucy, my good friend, we're going to be talking about right now one of the most insane, fun, gory schlockfests I've watched in a long time. I haven't been this satisfied, and as long as I can remember, we're going to be talking about the hunky boy himself, the brand new horror science fiction comedy, Psycho Goreman, baby. Oh, yeah. Now, we both watched this separately. I didn't even know you were going to be watching it, but we can't tell you enough how excited we are to sit down and talk about this movie. Loisos, for our listeners that have not had an opportunity to check out this movie or have not heard of it, why don't you tell them what Psycho Goreman is all about? Well, first of all, what a title, right? Psycho Goreman. You hear that title and instantly you're like, I'm in. It's the best title I need ever. to watch this. <laughs> uh, yes, this is a film from Canada, directed by Stephen Kostansky, uh, who is uh, part of the Astron 6 team. This, this is a studio behind such low-budget throwback exercises in genre as The Editor and The Void. The story concerns Mimi and Luke, two squabbling siblings who uncover a magical amulet buried in their backyard that awakens an ancient evil known as the Archduke of Nightmares. And after discovering that the artifact allows control over the alien killing machine, Mimi takes the opportunity to give him the nickname Psycho Goreman or or PG for short. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And use him for her own immature purposes. And uh, the film opens actually with Mimi and Luke playing a made up game of crazy ball, which is reminiscent For those of you who read Calvin and Hobbes growing up, you know exactly what this means of Calvin Ball, a game in which the rules are made up and the points don't matter. So already the film starts on an absurd note and things just get crazier from there. Um, In an interview in the special features, which I watched, I bought this film on iTunes and had the pleasure of watching the special features, which added to my enjoyment of the film. Uh, the the director, the writer-director, Stephen Kostansky, uh, describes a scene in Psycho Goreman as a perfect level of stupid that tickles my brain. Uh, but I think that's fitting for the film as a whole. I, I literally can't even begin to describe how deeply, deeply silly this film is. And even if you were to just glance at the title and the poster and think to yourself, that looks silly, you have no idea the depths of silliness that await you in Psycho Gorman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, the movie is such a nice throwback to those awesome kid monster buddy movies from the 80s and 90s, but with a super gory, uber-violent twist. There's miniatures. There's practical monster suits. Amazing makeup work. Real gore effects. Mutants. And a beautiful retro synth score by Blitz Berlin. I mean, I don't think there's been more of the things I love in one movie ever like literally ever i don't recall there being any nudity though so i mean had they put unfortunately had there been a couple of scantily clad females and males both uh, it, it would have had everything <laughs> equal opportunity everything yeah. i love in one movie altogether i haven't had this much fun in a theater in a long time and i did get the opportunity i took the opportunity i actually chanced it to go to the movies alamo draft house your place of employment my favorite home away from home that I have not gotten a chance to attend in, in many, many months. Um, I was sitting around. I saw there weren't many tickets sold, and I said, fuck it. I'll sit away from everybody. I'll wear my mask, and I'm going to enjoy this movie. And, dude, I literally felt every single sense of enjoyment from this thing. I laughed. I teared up. I just got absolutely excited. It's been so long. And I think this movie was the medicine I needed you know, with the winter blues, with the COVID blues, if you will. Um, It just served up every single thing that makes me happy. Again, aside from no nudity. (laughs) But I mean, dude, this movie is just so fun. It wears its heart on its sleeve. It knows exactly what it is. It pulls its no punches at all to its audience. And it's made for a specific audience. But that doesn't mean that other people can't also enjoy it. I think through all the gore and the monsters and nonsense, there is a sense of heart in this movie. It takes a little bit to get there, but um, there's something for everyone here. There really is. For sure. And it's almost one of those movies you mentioned. Uh, I mean, Kostansky grew up in the early nineties. So the film is kind of a pastiche of all these pop culture icons. Like, you know, you can make comparisons to power Rangers, E.T., you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Dude, it's funny you mentioned that because I literally, not to cut you off, like 
a quarter way through the movie, I heard a guy like three rows behind me mumble Power Rangers out yeah, loud during very the much movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in the documentary, uh, Kostansky even mentioned Star Wars The Phantom Menace as an influence. And that's something that I thought about while watching the movie. So even though it manages to have its own identity, this movie is definitely something I could have seen on the shelf at the video store in the 90s and seeing the title Psycho Gorman, what is this? And wanting to rent it. Um, so it very much has that kind of throwback charm to it. Um, you really have to get on this movie's wavelength, though, especially towards the beginning, because it has such a distinctive tone and voice to it. The characters don't talk like human beings, and oftentimes they don't act like human beings. And it's full of like weird framing and camera work. I'm thinking specifically of a scene where Mimi and Luke's mom berates her husband for leaving like a mess in the microwave or something and there's like this slow dramatic zoom on his face (laughs) and it's like obviously meant to be like a humorous juxtaposition but like i'm not sure what it's motivated by it's very weird the dialogue is full of these non sequiturs there's like a scene early on in which the kids are walking to school and luke's friend alistair shows up and mimi's like Hey, hunky boy, why don't you give us a spin? And I'm like, I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Dude, there was a huge burst of laughter in the audience with that line. I was like, I don't get what that's there for, but I sure laughed at it, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wh- who the fuck talks um, like that? No kid talks like that. Right, right. So after a certain point, you just have to surrender to the fact that the film's going to be this absurd for the entire runtime. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I have to address right off the bat, I mean, I really did love pretty much everything about this movie. Um, Nita Josie Hannah as Mimi, either you're going to be okay with her or you're not. She's like nails on a chalkboard for a lot of this movie. You just have to really accept that she's just going to be this really obnoxious bratty kid throughout the entire movie. Yeah, but that's the character she's exactly. playing, and she nails no, it. She's so dude. entertaining to watch. No, 100%. I mean, like, and, and that's something that I accepted within, like, the first 15 minutes. This is, you know, a juxtaposition, if you will. In a lot of these movies in the 80s and 90s, it's the main lead is a male, and he's mean to his little sister. In this movie, it's the little sister who's mean to her big brother, who's very passive. He's just, very like, very nonchalant, like, okay, I do what my sister says. I've never seen like, that movie before. He's like the typical clean cut nineties kid. I absolutely love um, the part where Mimi's introducing herself to uh, psycho Gorman PG and Luke played by Owen Meyer. <laughs> the way he reads the line, like Mimi introduces herself and then Luke says, and I'm Luke. And the way he like waves and has that kind of delivery is so typical nineties kid protagonist and it's 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 very funny that juxtaposition between well, the yeah and you can them. see you can see that kind of character in any episode of goosebumps in the 90s or are you afraid of the dark there's always one of those kids in there so i really liked that pure 90s flavor i also love the running gag throughout the entire movie how psycho gourmet can't remember luke's name <laughs> he's always like he mentions everyone else's name's like oh and uh him He's like, Luke, my name's Luke. I just think it's really Because he's funny. so generic and unmemorable. Yeah, so generic and unmemorable. <laughs> we got to get to the titular character, the big bad himself, the Archduke of Nightmares, the deadly alien warrior imprisoned on Earth after attempting to destroy the galaxy in a rampage. Dude, the coolest looking motherfucker ever to step foot on the silver screen. I want him as a toy. I want to be playing with him right now in my hands, dude. That is the coolest monster design, monster slash alien design of anything I've seen. The most original too. Like, have you ever seen anything that looked like that outside of maybe a masters of the universe figure? Cause that's what he looks like to me. Well, not quite. And, and, and I do love the inventiveness of the character design in this. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Masters of the Universe action figures because Kostansky said in the interview that he designed Psycho Goreman as if he was imagining the kind of toy he would want to play with as a child. And uh, just the look of the character is fantastic. He's, he's menacing and scary, but still kind of approachable. He's bright, has these kind of neon pulsating colors on him. Um and he's just cool looking like he, he has awesome weapons. He has like this kind of s- this protracted spine coming yeah, out. He spikes he's on his just back. a cool looking character. Yeah. yeah, for sure. 
he's just a great character to hang the framework of the movie upon. Yeah. Because he's so deadpan. He's so, uh, he has such a bloodlust and just, he's just a vengeful character. And so to have him uh, in all of these situations where he's basically doing the bidding of a nine-year-old girl, (laughs) it's just very funny. Yeah, it is funny. Like I love the premise right off the bat. And that's why when you jump into this movie, you know what you're in for. And that's what I was saying by it. Where's it's heart on its sleeve. It's, playing to a certain audience. It knows what it's made for. And I, and I think that Kostansky is definitely being like, I'm making this cause I want to make this. And I think that other people that grew up loving the same things that I loved like myself um, are going to want to see this and enjoy it. Amazing creature designs. We don't see this kind of stuff. I mean, outside of a Guillermo del Toro movie, that's really the only place where we would see anything kind of like this type of outlandish monster work in. Other than this, because in most movies these days, we know it's all CG stuff. I mean, um, there's an amazing video. Uh, unfortunately, I did as much research as I could, Loisos. I can't find the name of the the makeup monster effects company or team that did this. But Dread Central did an awesome exclusive video on YouTube. So I highly recommend our listeners go check it out. It's called Exclusive PG Goreman Inside the Creature Shop. An amazing video in which you even see Kostansky himself doing some sculpting and molding on some of the monsters. Um, some of the miniatures, because there's a blend of all of that stuff. And and going back to what you were saying, when you mentioned Masters of the Universe, a film that you know I love with all my heart that we reviewed on the show last year, um, this feels a lot like Gary Goddard's Masters of the Universe as far as the production design, the look of the creatures. I mean, when you're seeing that roundtable discussion of all those different monsters and aliens, you definitely get some Masters of the Universe vibes from those characters. But they're all so individual and so unique so that when they're sitting next to each other, you see the amount of amazing effort that went into each one of them. I mean, and they're all very impressive. It's not like it's bad work. It's beautiful work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the sheer variety. You have one one of the characters is essentially like a huge brain with a pair of eyeballs stuck on it. There's a cop that PG essentially melts the flesh off of, and the rest of the film he's like stumbling <laughs> around, begging to be killed so he can be put out of his misery. One of the funniest there's, things of the movie, literally. There's there's one alien called the Death Trapper who has arm cannons that shoot out blood. There's a lizard creature. I mean, it's just so creative and. Again, I'm going to go back to the interview, but it explains a lot where Kostansky said that his goal was to have something crazy happen or a new bizarre character to be introduced about every 10 to 15 minutes in the movie. And I think this more than lives up to its goal. I mean, there's a lot of different variety of creatures and there's a great use of a variety of different techniques for the special effects, too. There's you mentioned, you know, makeup, the creature suits, models, miniatures. There's very deliberately like rudimentary CGI yes. too. Dude, the, which the first thing I thought of, I know you're going to you're going to know where I'm coming from. What movie did I think of when I saw that CG? Please tell me. You yourself like last year came over drunk and was like, "Let's watch and fill in the blank. It has some of the worst CG of any movie ever made." I'm going to go ahead and guess Spawn. Yes! Dude, <laughs> when he's on his planet and he's like standing in front of all of those other it literally looks like the CG that was noted as the most technically advanced CGI of the year on the front cover of the VHS for Spawn. It looks like that caliber level of quality, but it fits within the movie. It works. It's nothing you're looking at making fun of. You're like, that looks awesome within the context of this movie and the world it's in. Right. So it's really remarkable how creative this film is for how cheap it looks. And I don't mean that as an insult. I don't mean I don't mean to use cheap as a disparaging term, but obviously this movie wasn't made for the budget that you know, you would think that it calls for, but it's it's just perfect because it all blends together so well and it was all created with a lot of love and care. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's the thing that you have to look at the most when you're dissecting and looking at the details within Psycho Gorman. Is just, I mean, every single thing from the production design, which I have to give a huge shout out to Alexandra Paziva for everything looks 90s in this movie. You know what I mean? That From the house the family lives in to the cars that are there, to the school, to all of the locations, to the, you know, the clothing they're wearing. Everything has a very 90s, early 90s feel and vibe to it. And I really have to appreciate that because in a lot of movies where, especially right now in today's day and age, you'll see a movie take place in the 80s or the 90s and they get tons of shit wrong. I just watched a movie the other night 
the little things, that new thriller with Jared Leto and Denzel Washington. It's supposed to take place in 1990, and there's a Mortal Kombat 2 arcade game in the, the gas station. I'm like, y'all just fucked up there. And you know damn well there's going to be a bunch of people bitching about it. In this movie, you have the guy that lived it coming up with the stuff, so you know there's going to be every single bit of detail put in and nothing wrong. Nothing wrong included. So um, I have to say, one of the standout scenes for me that literally made me fall out of my chair laughing is when PG is dressed as Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. <laughs> like, Because they have to disguise him, right? When they yeah. take him out in public. <laughs> and he wears it for like, I mean, almost 25 minutes of the movie. You have to give a huge amount of credit to the two men that basically together created Psycho Gorman. Um, one of the gentlemen did the voice, and that's Stephen Vlahos. And Matthew Nineber was the actual physical presence of Psycho Gorman, and he's a super jacked dude who's directed his own yeah. stuff. I mean, the physical presence of Psycho Gorman, and looking at how difficult that suit was, I mean, looking at what Spawn was, and hearing about that movie, and that was back in the late 90s, this suit looked very restrictive. Yeah, definitely. And again, in the special features, which I recommend watching, because again, it did make me appreciate the film so much more. You see him on the set and being like basically painted into the costume uh, and being like vacuum sealed into it. And then on set, he says he was in such a zone. He had to like zone himself out in order to kind of protect his psyche from the discomfort of being in that suit. So you see him on set just like laying there and not talking to anyone, just like staying completely still, just lying there because he's so miserable in that costume. It's I imagine it was incredibly hot. So, I mean, but he does have the presence and he is commanding in that suit and in that role the way his body language is the way he stands his stance so it it is a really tremendous performance and the voice is just gold too because he says the most ludicrous dialogue uh (laughs) in this very deep rumbling obviously they put it through some bass filters or whatever to make it sound even more menacing but it's fantastic all of the details to make the characters come to life are really, really, really well done. Yeah, and I and I have to also, I mean, as we're wrapping up the discussion on this movie, I think the most beautifully designed creature aside from PG himself is Pandora in the film. A very beautiful, mechanical, angel-like character with another robotic voice um, that is, is the kind of character that we got as kids in the form of action figures, but never really realized on screen in any movie until here. Yeah, it looks like a, like a kind of like an Ultraman character. Or something you would see in like one of those Japanese like Super Sentai shows, um, but it's a great foil for PG because he's very like, you know, he has all these veins and he's very slimy, and then she's like this pristine, Beautiful. clean, white. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I I loved that um, them kind of going head to head. They're such different looking characters. They look like they could be the yin and yang of each other. Um, I. I I have to say that the film is filled with so much great surface level stuff like that, that it sacrifices a little bit of that cohesion. And I have to go, (laughs) I have to critique this movie a little bit because there are so many great things about it, but like the Pandora character, for example, like, is she a good guy or a bad guy? I think she's supposed to be a good guy, but like in the end, when she's fighting psycho Gorman, who we've come to love, like who are we supposed to be cheering for in that climactic battle? Um, I really wish we had like more insight into the family, especially Mimi and Luke's relationship. I wish the film were a bit more clear about how we were supposed to feel about the characters' relationships toward each other. Are we supposed to hate Mimi because she's a psychotic little brat? Um, are we supposed to like her? So I don't know. I suppose one could make the argument that like none of this stuff matters, but this stuff of course it matters. doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, it, it does, does, but it though. doesn't. Loy sauce. I mean, you just said it yourself. All the surface level stuff that's there to, for you to enjoy being the huge genre fan that you are when you look at all that it's easy to just dismiss the rest of it because again like i said earlier on in the discussion there is some heart at the end of the movie there is some heart to be presented in this family dynamic which is again super over the top and unrealistic but sure but that would have hit so much more if we got to know them a little bit more before all the mayhem and the the chaos and the hijinks started that's just my personal opinion no i totally understand i mean like i said It took me a while in the beginning of the movie to accept Mimi as our main character because, again, she is, like, screeching to a sharp halt. And she's mean to everyone. (laughs) 
<laughs> she's like completely overbearing and bossy and uh, and she does grow and you know what that's what i appreciate about this movie too is the characters each of them has an arc even the dad who's the, a complete fuck up he's a deadbeat he's lazy but he grows as a character and you see him change and i, I appreciated that effort yes 100 percent. and like i said what it all boils down to is this is an awesome throwback movie, a great midnight movie. I hate using that term, but I do bring it up all the time on the show where you turn your brain off. But in today's world, we're dealing with all these crazy things, the real world, COVID, politics. You just want to hide from the world. And escapism is very important to mental health. And I think this movie is literally a shot right into the vein of just pure joy for horror fans, sci-fi fanatics, and people that just love genre. And I mean, I'm going to show this to my wife when I buy it. I'm definitely purchasing the movie, the physical copy. Um, Right now they're offering, there's only 2,000 copies of the special edition hunky boy edition of the film that comes with the soundtrack, (laughs) like trading cards. I mean, if you're a fan of this movie, after you hear this discussion, or if you've seen the movie, you got to get this. You got to buy it. It's direct from them. It's only 2,000 uh, Raven, Raven Banner. That's yeah, if right. you go to, on Raven Banner, it's directly from their website. And we're not sponsored by them or no. anything. But I think it's important that we mention it because for a film like this, especially, you want to support physical media with a deluxe, you know, limited edition like this. You want uh, to support physical media. Well, dude, so. I, and, I, and I want more movies like this. Like, seriously, this is my wheelhouse. This is something that, you know, we need to support more of. I, I can't tell you enough how many times... I've seen on social media people bitching about the lack of original content being released into theaters and in movies. And I'm like, dude, it's out there. Just go find it and watch it. And with this kind of presentation, you got to show it some love, man. You got to support it or we're not going to ever get any more of it. So, yes, if you love this movie, fucking buy it. You just, you know, do what Loisos did and buy the digital if that's your thing. Or if you're like me, I mean, I know Loisos does collect lots of physical media, so I'm not saying he doesn't, but. You know, buy it whatever way you feel comfortable with. Uh, just support this movie. And if it's at your local cinema, go fucking see it. I mean, I took a chance. I know right now people are weary because of COVID. I feel comfortable going into a movie theater if it's, you know, not many people with my mask on and just stay away from people. Just distance myself and keep yourself clean. Um, do what you got to do. But I was happy and I'm very proud and appreciative of the fact that I got to see psycho gore man on the big screen. <laughs> There's nothing better than that. I highly doubt Lois sauce that I'll find a better movie to top this in 2021. I mean, it was a great start to the year as far as movies are concerned. Definitely. So Justin, you're rating for psycho gore it's, man it, it's, on a one to 10 dude, scale. It's getting a nine out of 10. Fuck everything else. I don't care. This movie made <laughs> me so happy. Um, I, I walked out completely satisfied in almost every single possible way I could from this kind of genre piece. Like I said, great score, great production design, the makeup effects, the monsters, the acting, even from like the, the smaller characters, dude, the kid Alistair turns into a fucking giant brain with big eyes. And you see at the end of the movie, him sitting there eating dinner. It's like a five minute after credit scene of his family, <laughs> just sitting there eating dinner with him as a giant brain, trying to eat his food. It's the most hilarious, <laughs> amazing fucking thing I've ever seen. I mean, seriously, this movie rules so hard. Loisos, what's your rating, buddy? Well, I confess that I'll be grading this one on a little bit of a curve because it's been a long while, maybe since Turbo Kid, where I've seen a genre film with this much lo-fi creativity, this much twisted humor, this much heart. Um, It suffers from conventional things like a a plot and characterization, uh, but this isn't a conventional film and therefore probably shouldn't be judged as such. So, you know, if you sit back... (laughs) So, you know, if you sit back with some buddies, you know, responsibly, we are in a pandemic after all, uh, and and a few beers and just put on something where you're just going to laugh and have fun with it, then Psycho Gorman is pretty much the perfect film. It is insanely charming, insanely gory, and just overall insane. I'm giving Psycho Gorman an 8 out of 10. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Psycho Gorman 2. Let's make it happen. Yeah. I want to see his giant spiked cock go into some dude's mouth (laughs) and kill him, explode his fucking head. Um but yeah, thank I imagine it's like the shape of water where his <laughs> his groin just like opens up and you see it portrayed oh, out. Oh god. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love I love fish and monster dick so much. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. We really appreciate you tuning in to 
our first regular episode of 2021 with our discussion on Godzilla vs. Kong and the amazing classic, soon to be known as cult masterpiece Psycho Goreman. Uh, we just love you, love you, love you so, so much for checking out the show. If you've been listening for years or if you're brand new to the show, we love you evenly. And Loisos, if they're looking to check out where they can find us on social media, tell them where we can be found. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Epic Film Guys. Feel free to join in our Facebook group, The Hopesters Dumpster, facebook.com slash group slash Epic Film Guys, where you can join in the conversation, talk about schlocky horror movies with us, and uh, become a patron on Patreon. Uh, we are rebooting our Patreon tiers, so uh, there's lots of lots of great stuff uh, that we have for you in the way of perks and exclusive insider access and content. Um, and just a little teaser for you all, Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and we've got a very special Epic Film Guys B-side planned. Big anniversary coming up. It's, it's coming, man. But um, yes, our patrons, we want to thank you so, so much. We've had some new patrons recently join. Tony Dobish, Tyler Dane Sutton, and of course, Dina Marie, the Twisted Philly herself. They've all joined recently as a new patron. So thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. Even $1 a month. You're supporting the show and really pushing us out there and doing all that you can to support us in our endeavors of discussing all kinds of movies. And we greatly appreciate it so, so much. So also, if you like the show, jump on iTunes, give us a five-star review. We would love you forever. But Loisos, until next time, we will see you at the movie. Oh,